Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the E-Wang Bang Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, here to talk part two of the Golden State Warriors NBA offseason 2019. On the phone I have, after a very long hiatus, the Genio James Liao. How's it going, man? Still uh, recovering from the finals loss, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, but... Uh... Yeah, I already had my episode sharing my thoughts and feelings, so we don't have to rehash those. But uh, how are you feeling, James? Do you feel like you've hit rock bottom? Do you feel like you are at the twilight of your podcasting career? I feel like it's disingenuous. Like I don't know what the right word is there, but basically for people that have to listen to, or non-Warrior fans, I should say, to listen to us smugly talking about us not winning the championship, losing game six of the finals as the end of the world, or, oh my God, my life is over. You know, when we were watching guys, teams that were winning, you know, 18 to 22 games for 10 years straight, you know, so I wouldn't exactly call it rock bottom per se, but um, I mean, I was okay with the By the way, I was making a Jeremy Lin reference. Oh, that I completely missed that. You you should have you know what you should have done is you should have started crying. Then oh, the okay, okay. <laughs> See, the reference was lost on me because yeah. you didn't sell. The, You're right, and you know what I should have done was the uh, uh, dubbed in the Giles. The translator, yeah. <laughs> no, not the Giles thing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you, oh yeah, Giles thing goes with everything. Or what you should have done was just have somebody else translate everything you said in Chinese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, this is exactly what happened to Jeremy. I actually didn't see the clip. I just saw the, uh, the follow-up, and I was like, God damn it, Jeremy. No, because he had the, he was doing this thing in Taiwan. So right, like, right. He was saying everything in English, and then uh, the translator guy was getting very uh, emotional with them as well. Are you serious? The translator started crying, too. Yeah. And nobody else like knows what he's talking about. What the fuck? Why is this guy crying, too? He's just <laughs> translating. But yeah, my... You know, I was okay given the circumstances, you know, of what we did. Now, I am in the, I'm in the, I guess, majority in saying that. I think if we, all we really needed was a healthy clay. I think that game six, we would have had a very good chance to be, at least be close and have a chance to win at the end. Yeah. And then at game seven, who knows? Like, it's really hard to say, but I think if clay didn't get hurt in that game six, like, there was, a higher chance of us reaching game seven than obviously without him. Um, yeah. So given the circumstances, I mean, I don't know how you can be, you know, not happy with the results. KD out, Clay out, and then we, you know, six half games. A, and, half a loony, yeah. by the way. Yeah, half a loony. Kavon was barely, barely lift his arm. Like, you're just like, what do you, what else do you want? And a triple teaming staff, like, you know, it's like <laughs> holding him everywhere. Like no other options on the floor. It's like, what else do you want? Triangle like, two. Yeah, you know, literally boxing one, triangle and two, like everything. Like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, guys stepped up as best they could, but I mean, given the uh, circumstances, I just don't know how that we would have made it work without Clay. The team is built around multiple shooters, and yeah. two of those three shooters are gone. Then it's like, I don't know how the spacing works at all. They just hound your only shooter, and then that other guys beat you, man. 
you know, we just don't have enough firepower when you're top heavy like that. So yeah. it is what it is. I think I think all of us too we once KD went down, we're like, yeah, that's pretty much realistically the realistic fan that he said, yeah, I mean, it was over. You know, mm-hmm. but I think we all like, you know, if we if Clay can get back and, and play well as well as well as he did in game five, maybe we'll have a shot at it. And game six Clay showed up again and then yeah, got hurt. I yeah I I felt like man a, a clay storm was coming but the moment he took off for that dunk I was like ah yeah it just know. didn't feel good yeah, yeah I I just didn't like the idea of him putting his uh sacrificing his body for the team a la Joe Bluth <laughs> really uh diving uh, head first <laughs> diving head first yeah um and the heart most heartbreaking thing and I think this ties into what what we're going to talk about next, the future of the Golden State Warriors, is the fact that Clay tore his ACL. He's out for you know at least through NBA All Star break, which is February of next year. This makes the likelihood of the Warriors making the NBA playoffs, even with D'Angelo Russell, even with you know Willie Cauley Stein and the other additions, significantly tougher. I mean, the the eighth seed was a was a dogfight this year. It, it's not much has changed in the Western Conference. I mean, not many All Stars from the East have gone West, which is a good thing. But regardless, it's still going to be a tough conference. And the Warriors with just Raymond, Steph, and D'Angelo Russell running the helm. It's. I mean, realistically, I mean, Clay was even in the recent interview talking about how he he's really not sure when he's going to be able to make it back. It is what it is at this point. And it's just like, you know, if I can, you know, get back at the all-star break, sure. But like, I don't think he's banking on that. That would put him at around nine months. So for most ACL injuries, that's right around the timetable, but I would rather not try to rush him back for any particular reason what is this season going to be? A low playoff seat. So it's like, why push it, you know? Well, yeah, well, I, I mean, they just need to get into the playoffs, right? So then the question is... Yeah, that's is, what I mean. Get into the playoffs mean... and then make a... Now, if Clay can ease into the playoffs, you know, uh, get 10 games in, maybe 15 games, then I would say, yeah, I would say we would have a little bit more. But that would put him back at around a mid to late March timetable. So you wouldn't so, rush him back for a for a playoff push? Like, let's say we're hanging around the 7th and 8th seed. No, I think I think also from a perception standpoint, it would be a very bad look to rush him back, given what happened with KD. him and with KD. You know, there is optics involved too, right? Because it's like the perception was that we rushed both these guys back. You know, our medical staff doesn't know what the hell they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, trying to get these guys to play when they're not when they're not ready. And I think in this scenario, what is the benefit of that? Like I view it as with Clay being out most of the season. Now, realistically, I would say, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a lost season. You know, I just don't think there's gonna be enough there where you can be anything more than without Clay, maybe like a seven or eight seed. Maybe not even that depending on health of some of the other guys. So I'm not expecting too much. Now, if he can get healthy, I'd rather him come back at, you know, 100% and then make a run later. But I would discount this season as one where you're just like, hey, look, this is what it took for five straight years of finals. 
a torn ACL. And you just got to maybe not go as hard for one year. Yeah, and th- this this kind of ties into my next point about Draymond, but we'll wrap this up with Clay. Uh, d- did you have any issues with extending him or giving him the max? Clay, no, no, absolutely, yeah. no. Yeah, yes, that's either. a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna come back from that ACL. He's not, he's not some high-flying dunker like you know Vince Carter or something. You know, we're not, or Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, as long as it like doesn't that. affect his lateral movement, cutting and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And with you know everything I've read now is, is that modern ACL surgeries are a lot more pretty effective. good. Yeah, pretty damn good. Um, if we can even just get ninety or ninety-five percent clay of what the best clay can be, then yeah, that, worth I mean, it. that's already worth it. Yeah. I mean, look, you saw what he did in the playoffs. And, and so this, this leads me into the topic about Draymond because over the weekend, the news broke that Draymond signed an extension for four years, $100 million, which in my mind actually seemed really low. Um, granted, you know, in his previous contract started at 18 million and was, you know, like a 20% raise every year or something like that. But, on the flip side, Draymond, had he not signed the extension, could have gone into unre- unrestricted free agency next season and potentially would have been able to get a contract of something like five years, you know, 150 or something, something obnoxious, right? Five uh, years, 203 with the Warriors. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's the full five-year max with the Warriors. Now, any other team, 40 years, 150. Right, so, that, that's what it was. Yeah, because yeah. the raises are bigger when you sign with you know the the team that has your rights. You could yeah, you could do um, bigger raises. So those that would be a full five year with eight percent raises, and then the other people would be I believe five percent raises and four years. So that means a one hundred fifty one million dollar deal, which is still absurd. But yeah, uh, you know I don't know, and I think Rich Paul, you know, you and I were kind of talking about this is. Is like you know, with him getting Rich Paul as his agent, like I think he understands the market pretty well. Yeah, like he's got a good pulse know, on what teams yeah. and what caps, you know, the, the good teams, what kind of cap space they have, and also what other players are saying, and you know that the the general. And I don't know if, if I should be taking this with a grain of salt, but polling the players in the NBA, a lot of them still think Draymond's overrated, which is yeah. which is bonkers. But yeah, which is crazy. But but like an example would be like, you know, Rich Paul understanding the leverage he has with A D, right? And then pushing everything in with that, getting him to the team he wants. But that leverage doesn't exist with Draymond Green. So the approach of how, of getting him a contract is gonna be different. So I think it worked out for both sides. It was a great deal. I think it's a good deal for uh, the for the Warriors as well. It gives Draymond long term security because I don't know if anybody else was going to offer him any similar numbers. The Knicks. Yeah, maybe the Knicks, but you know he's gets a similar kind of money, but you know he won't be in, in like a winning situation. And who knows what that's going to look like? He's going to be exposed on offense even more. So I think they decided, hey, this is the best bet. Warriors are going to offer the extension. We're just going to take it and then just move on. And the Warriors are thinking, hey, look, 29-year-old Draymond, you know, we get him locked in for four years in his early 30s when he's still playing well for hopefully the next two, three years. The only year that probably wouldn't be worth that contract would be last year. Yeah, that last year, 27 or so at age 34. But I'd rather be playing Draymond Green $27 million at age 34 Mm -hmm. than 
Chris Paul, forty-eight million dollars, <laughs> whatever the hell it is, at age thirty-six. You know, it's like, dude, I mean, take your pick. Like, I might draw that Draymond's contract. You know? Yeah. So it's not even that bad. Yeah, and, and the one thing that I really like about this, I, I, I think some of the articles cover, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, is it doesn't put Draymond in the situation where he's playing for a contract next season, where you know he, he's going to be on a mediocre team where he's going to go balls to the walls because he he needs to force himself to get that next big contract, which it, which is a risk on so many parts, right? It, it's a risk to his own health, first of all. But it's also a risk to his own longevity uh, with the Warriors. So, you know, the, the worst case scenario is he goes balls to the walls, remains healthy through that year, gets his five-year, $200 million extension, and then the year after suffers some catastrophic injury because he had put so much strain on his body during his Just pushing contract, the contract year. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think what I like about this is now that – he has that financial security. Just you know, focus on basketball, man. That's focus it, on man. basketball, focus on team. And look, the, he, the competitive side of Draymond can can kind of make that call that, okay, I, I don't need to go you know, 100 miles an hour uh, November through February. I, I can turn it on in March and not have to worry about what's my next contract. You know, you turn it on in March and worry about, okay, am I going to get the Warriors into the playoffs? Are we going to win round one, round two in the playoffs? That could be his focus and not worry about, am I going to get paid next season? So I I love this deal. I, I'm shocked that it, to me, it's as low as it, it, it seems low. It, it really does it seem is. low for yeah. somebody especially who is so important. Especially yeah. the beginning yeah, years 25. of the contract. Yeah. yeah. Like 20, it starts at like 23 million. Yeah, like twenty two to twenty three, and then, um, and that's when Draymond at age thirty, so he is still in his prime, and you're paying him twenty three million, which is only a minor or a, a, a minor increase from his current like eighteen nineteen million dollar contract. Like right. it's yeah, it's just like it's very little. It's like it's a great deal. Like he was already like underpaid, but yeah, I agree. It's you know overall, I think everyone the consensus across the board has been like this is a good deal for the Warriors and a good deal for Draymond because it's the long-term money that he's looking for. On the topic of uh, other good deals, Kevon Looney sticks around for three years, 15 million, which <laughs> you and I are still baffled by that one. I think they, everybody is too. Like, he must be getting how? some kind of commission from chase centers. And like, maybe there's like some lemonade stand in there that Kevon Looney gets all the, like all the profits off of or something. I, I don't understand he must have been getting awesome offer, offers on the market, but uh, I, you know, I love it. Run, you know, run it back, run it back with the teams that, that got me where I am. Yeah. No. And he said he has, you know, a special bond with the, the team. He likes where it's at. And I think it's good. He knew he would not be able to get the most money with us, but he was willing to, uh, you know, still stick around with him. What, I mean, I'm I'm curious because there weren't that many articles about who was making who, who like I, I think the Rockets were after him, but even that one was kind of a head scratcher. Like, how would they get money to to get him? No, they're on uh, cash base, yeah. Yeah, so it would it, just that, be the it would just be a mini mid level, so it'd be similar money to what we did. Right, right. Yeah, so. not much more. Yeah, I, I mean, and I guess while a bunch of other teams were out there, you know, waiting around for Kawhi to make his decision, maybe Kevon Looney kind of looked around and said, hey, you know, let, let, 
I'll just secure this money now because who, who knows? knows what, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows what might not happen? What what might happen? Other key additions: Willie Cauley Stein at the center position. I'm a huge fan of this guy. I I I, <laughs> I think very few people are, but he's basically a Javale McGee with a decent mid range. I, I don't even call it a mid range jumper, but foul like a flip jump. shot. Yeah, and also a flip shot in the lane. He can yeah. do those. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to get him at the minimum, I mean, keep him keep him on a short leash if he sucks. Uh, we our our roster has so many big men that I, I think we're okay if he doesn't if he doesn't perform well. But he'll he'll have you know he'll have a he'll have a use against certain teams. You know, the same way that Javale McGee did that like that dude just basically terrorized the the Cavaliers in the finals in 2018 and you know the Portland Trailblazers in in 2018 as well Kerr's creative enough that he can use a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein and quite frankly we did not have a guy like that last season you know Damian Jones was the closest thing to it and he yeah we're running big yeah yeah he was he was hurt for so much of the year and he was also a, a zero on uh on defense that we we couldn't really play him um not to say that willie collie stein is is some kind of defensive savant but at least he's a little bit more experienced been around the league for a couple years he should be coming in with a good amount of experience and hopefully we'll we'll blend in with uh, the warriors defensive schemes better than what we had with damian jones I'm high on Willie Cauley stein also um especially at the price really at the price so we actually signed him a little bit higher than a minimum. We actually used the mini-mid level on Willie Cauley-Stein, along with signing the second-round draft picks. So Paschal and uh, that Allen Smiley. Uh, and Poole. I he- yeah. Oh, so yeah, Poole was on a rookie yeah, first-round deal. Mm-hmm. So that's a rookie right. scale for Poole. But um, second-round, you can use mini-level, mid-level. And we signed those guys to long-term deals, like three- or four-year deals. Uh, and then Cauley Stein one year. But those are all from the mini-mid level. So he can be broken up into use on, on on multiple people. So that's what we did for that. But um, yeah, I like the pickup. Um, cost us, like you said, very little money. That's a huge plus. And just rim running big. We don't really need him too much. Um, I would presume that we would see Kevon in that five slot. Starting? No, not starting. I wouldn't say starting, but I'm just saying like closing out games and stuff like that. If there's going to be teams that are going to go smaller, um, then you're going to see a lot more of that over Collie Stein, obviously. So, but you know, it's roster flexibility. Rim running bigs are are still uh, have a place in the league, and it's good to have a, a guy like that on the teams. Yeah, and, and going to some of our other bigs, we don't. I, I don't really want to go into our second round draft picks. I mean, the, uh, the smile Smellogy, Alex Smellogy is, is is very young, very raw. I, I don't think the Warriors have ever turned someone very young and raw into into a in, into a winner since you know maybe Kevon Looney, but that took like four. Looney years was the last one, yeah. Really yeah, nice. but everyone else is just you know going back to like you know Netovich or uh, who, who Netovich, Jesus. Netovich or like. We had some like it wasn't Costa Kufos, but there's another like Costa oh, Kostaparovich. Perovich, that? Perovich. Yeah. that was a second round pick. Yeah, yeah. just like, these big 
raw white guys. <laughs> like I, I can't think of a single one in the history of you know the twenty years we've been watching the huh? Golden State Warriors. Whatever, hey, whatever your boy POV did, suck. <laughs> Patrick O'Brien, the, the notorious POV, the like notorious POV, dude. <laughs> Traded Classic. to the Celtics after a year. I remember that. Good For time. What, a bag of fucking chips or something? I don't even remember. Dude. Uh, maybe some lobster rolls too. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> You really got a good return on that. But yeah, and like think that those big man like projects, Anthony Randolph, like Diago, like and remember Anthony Rudolph, uh, 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 and then it was like Randolph or whatever, and then it was like when we traded him, it was like oh my god, this is gonna be the it's it could potentially bite the Warriors in the ass because he has very high upside. Da, da, yeah. And then all of a sudden fell out of the league in like two years. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> well, you you remember who that trade was? Do you know who we traded him for? Was it was was it the was it the it was either the Bogut one of the main guy mm. trades right? No. Uh, yes, you're right about a main yeah. guy trade, not yeah. Bogut though. So was it Ellis? No, 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 no. What was I don't remember? David Lee. Oh, David Lee. Uh, it David. was a signing yeah, trade. It was yeah. one of the, I remember it was like for one of the big guy like when main guys on our teams. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, New York, David Lee trade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Pivotal moment in the Warriors franchise when we got David Lee. Uh, that was Buke and uh, Turioff for David yep. Lee. Yep. That's right, yeah, Buke and Turioff. Yep, Kalenas um, Buki and Ronnie Turioff and yeah. uh, Anthony Roloff for David, David yeah. Lee. Uh, going back to the Warriors roster, the the Eric Pascal, or how, I don't know how you say his Pascal. name. Yes, Pascal. Yeah. yeah, he's the poor man's Draymond, uh, apparently – we have like three four man Draymonds. Omar Spellman. <laughs> yeah, Omar Spellman also. <laughs> so I, I think that's interesting because you and I have talked about how having more than one Draymond is is ideal, but playing three of them consistently is probably you know probably a little bit of a little overkill, especially since you can only have one Draymond on the court at once. Otherwise, like the defense is just going to stand in the key all day and dare, dare everyone else to shoot. But I, I think it's good. I, I think having, uh, you know, and at the time Draymond hadn't been extended yet, but drafting, you know, the, the next Draymond and trading for Draymond 0.5 and Omari Spellman, what was, was an interesting tactic to, Zero point five. He's like two point five. That motherfucker is fat, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about, man, dude? That guy needs to cut some weight, dude. I, I, I Draymond Green zero. Oh, okay, okay. That's skill wise. It's like two and a half Draymond. Oh yeah. Fat. yeah. Omari Spellman is is a huge <laughs> dude, fat, man. Dude. And, I, and I remember like when. Um, yeah, this is me reliving my glory days when I sat almost courtside in Phoenix. <laughs> but when Phoenix played talking, Atlanta, what is it, Talking Stick? Talk, that... Talking Stick Arena. Yeah, I, I remember Omari Spellman like kind of walked not walked by me, but he walked in front of me, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, that, huh? that is a that is a, a that's tractor trailer two point. Yeah, that's like tractor trailer like a baby uh, Davis type yeah, size dude. This is a fucking huge dude. But yeah, anyways. Omar Spellman and Eric Pascal. And, you know, I think we only need one of those guys to be semi-competent, backed up minutes, and spurts. We're not really looking for anything long-term, right. I think, on, on those players. Yeah, just... especially if our big man rotation is kind of locked up with Looney, Draymond, Willie Colley, Stein. Yeah. Like, uh, we, we can get away with 
Well, five minutes, say we, yeah. yeah, we get away with, you know, five minutes of one guy here, five yeah. minutes of another guy. That's what here. I'm hoping for, you know, just spot minutes from Spellman and uh, Pasco, you know, whenever we need it um, to fill out the, you know, depth chart for the bigs. Otherwise, it's just, you know, you have three guys who can play the, the center positions. So, you know, we're in pretty good shape. I mean, get some get some guys some experience, you know. And again, the Warriors have the luxury now because Draymond's locked in for a couple more years. We have the luxury now of just shutting it down early. Obviously, the the people trying to sell tickets at Chase Arena won't love that idea, but the reality is, you know, Clay's health, Draymond's longevity, and also Steph Curry's Steph Curry's durability. Also, that's something. Yeah, Steph's thirty one, you know, so he's. We need to start making sure he doesn't exceed a certain minute threshold in the in the regular season. You know, start yeah. capping him for load management. You know, maybe I think this year will be a good experiment too with Clay being out. What there's really is if you can just hang around for like a low seed. You know, and I think Steph is good enough. Steph, Draymond, and D'Lo is good enough to hang around for a low playoff seed. Yeah, and then then it's like you know maybe you can play you know keep Steph at 34, 34. 35 minutes a game um, and then, you know, make sure he gets enough rest and then gets um, rest days, you know, yeah. wherever. Yeah. And we'll talk about D'Lo last because he's obviously the most important addition that the Warriors had this offseason. But let's talk about wing depth. Uh, Damian Lee signed to another two-way two-way deal with the Warriors, which is good. And one thing that you and I were talking about that we, we read from uh, The Athletic is that Damian Lee, even though two-way deals require or, or only allow, I think, 45 days of NBA time, before they have to go back to the D League after the NBA or after the the G League season is over, the Warriors can sign Damian Lee to a prorated contract for the rest of the season. So the Warriors roster as it stands right now is at 14 people. And assuming that we don't have some crazy trade uh, before the trade deadline, there is still money there, I believe, for us to sign Damian Lee in the last week of the season and prorate this contract and still be under this hard cap. Yeah, which is, yeah, for sure, definitely have enough. We have yeah. like 250k or whatever under the it, hard exactly. cap. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, which is a huge help because a lot of people talked last year that having Damian Lee as that extra shooter in the playoffs, particularly in the NBA Finals, would have been a huge help, especially given you know Alfonso McKinney's shortcomings. Uh, from the offensive end, or in general, offensively and defensively, he was he was really only good for offensive rebounding. Alfonso McKinney, another guy who we have we have his contract. It becomes guaranteed in January, so we still have the opportunity to waive him. Um, at this point, there's no reason to to prematurely do that. We want to see how healthy he is when he comes back into training camp. We want to see how effective he is. He will have the opportunity to shine because, you know, both of our wings uh, from last year are not going to be here. So, yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm excited to see how good he is because he was really good last year before he got hurt. And if he's if he gets back to the, you know, Alfonso McKinney that shoots, you know, 44% from three, uh, we have another weapon in our hands. I think everyone kind of soured on him last year after, you know, a rather poor playoff show. After Kawhi blew by him like 50 times in the oh game. Oh, God. It was, it was tough to watch. Like every time he was on the floor, 
and they kept isolating Kawhi on him, and he did not stop him one time. And I was just like, how long is this going to go on? I think <laughs> really hard to watch. Yeah, but and if you're going to give that up, you might as well bring in Damian Lee, right? He's not going to defend it any worse than right. McKinney. At least can shoot. Like, Zoe just, like, couldn't shoot in the playoffs. So, I mean, with Damian, I mean, he's at least a mid to high 30% three-ball shooter. And that's how he made his calling, you know, even in college and stuff. Yeah, he's a shooter. I'm sure being Curry's uh, stepbrother, or not stepbrother, uh, brother-in-law helps, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we don't talk about that. That's just, yeah, there's no nepotism No no nepotism here. Yeah, not at all. No, so. Um, the other wings that we picked up, Glenn Robson, the third and Alex, Alec Burks, uh, both, both guys that came in with high hopes and just never really worked out. I mean, I, I remember Alec Burks from U- Utah and he was good. He just was always hurt. So I'm, I'm a little more excited about him. Glenn Robinson, all I really remember from him is like he was in some dunk contest, and and then I was like, yeah, he's I guess he's Big Dog's son, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so anyone yeah. ever knows him as oh, he's Glenn Robinson the third. He's his Big Dog's kid. That's all. Yeah, yeah, and I remember Big Dog was you know a, a solid you know, but like he was on that Milwaukee team with Sam Cassell and uh, Ray Allen. That, that's really all I remember from Glenn Robinson the. I, I presume the second. Uh, don't know anything about Glenn Robinson the third, so we'll see. I don't think there's really. I, I mean, he was just part of that trade, right? I think he was part of the the D'Lo trade where we. You know, I think he was actually just the signing. Hmm. I think we just picked him up. So um, interesting. Yeah, I think though both those guys were just picked up as part of that. So maybe I'm. Al- I think Alec Burks was was signed, but. I, I don't know about Glenn Robinson and PM. No, you know what it was? It was Shabazz Napier and Travion Graham. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Shabazz Napier and Travion Graham. Yeah, we, why we keep Shabazz Napier? We just waved him. We waved both those guys straight up. Oh, because we had to make – I think yeah. that we had to Art make cap, room dude. for Looney. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they're just, trying to, they're just trying to shed as much salary as they can, you know, because mm-hmm. we were hard capped at that point. So it was just like shed salary. So, yeah. I mean, we could have used the Shabazz Napier. Yeah, Travion Graham. That is just a name to me. So I'm just like, okay, NBA stock player. Yeah, in, in exactly. the seasons after your NBA live years up. Insert generic <laughs> photo of athlete here. You know, I'm like, okay. It's like literally, I don't know how it looks like. Um, the hard cap is a really good discussion, and uh, what got us into this issue is D'Angelo Russell. So let's talk about him. Let's talk about him as basketball player first. I mean, I. I I like the move. I, I think we didn't want to lose Kevin Durant for nothing. So we wanted to get whatever asset we could and for us to be able to take back an NBA all-star. I'll be, it's, you know, he's, he plays basically the same position as Steph Curry. We're going to see flashes of Monte and Steph trying to, <laughs> trying to guard legitimate basketball players. And we're going to read articles about how one of them is trying to play defense and, uh, the reality is we're we're, we're just going to get smoked uh, at the guard position on, on defense anyway. I mean, the, the only hope is that we can outgun them, which is also a very, very high possibility. But what do you think about D'Lo's game, and do you think it meshes well with what the Warriors have right now, including Clay? So here's the thing. Here's the other thing that I haven't really heard people bring up. What happens when – I mean, I understand that, you know, it, a comparison here might be um, like the Blazers. Right, 
two yeah. really good offensive guards. But that's always good enough to get you like a top six seed in the West. Those guys, I don't see any reason why a Dame uh, and CJ backcourt can get you a top five seed, top six seed, and why yeah. Steph and D'Lo can't do the same thing, right? It's not like yeah. they have. It's not like Portland has these exceptionally good uh, defensive players. Otherwise, Mo Harkless. Yeah, I mean Mo Harkless is okay. Aminu's good, you know. Yeah. But you know we have Draymond Green, and then it's just like. Does it really? And then when we get Clay Thompson back with, you know, two really good defenders, like better than Harkless and, and Aminu. Like, so I'm just like, what makes you think that, you know, something like that couldn't work? You know, because yeah. I mean, same thing, two undersized guards. CJ's like 6'4, you know, and then Dame's like 6'2. 6'1. Yeah. Six, yeah. And then, you know, Steph and Dilo are both like 6'3, you know. So I'm just like thinking, like, hey, you know, it. People always kept saying Blazers, no defense in the card, but it doesn't matter because their offense is so skilled. And D'Lo is, is a very skilled offensive player. Yeah, I think him and Collie Stein is very interesting. Pick and roll, like, yeah. 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 D'Lo is a great pick and roll player. Yeah, great pick and roll player. So lob threat with Collie Stein. He's a great roll man. So you could do a you know pocket bounce pass, roll into the rim. Um, you'll have uh, pick and pop options with Steph. It's interesting. I think it's good to just mix up the offense a little bit too with D'Lo. Yeah. Like you can play him off ball. He he shot a pretty good percentage yeah. uh, on catch and shoot threes. Yeah, on catch and shoot threes. So he is a guy you can try to play off ball a little bit too if Steph, you know, if you want him playing off ball. You know, so just being able to have versatility and change up the offense, I think is good. I think Kerr is still going to encourage people to kind of move the ball and stuff, but. You know, once in a while, you get D'Lo coming down and you just run a pick and roll with Kali Stein and just see what happens, you know? I, I love that. I, I love yeah. the fact that we have a guy whose specialty is the pick and roll. And he's not like, you know, obviously Steph and Katie were, were great players for the pick and roll. But Steph, uh, Kerr always wanted to go away from that because it is, you know, it, it is hard on the body for them to do that. The the only concern I have about D'Lo, and I think Bill Simmons talks about this all the time, is he doesn't shoot many free throws. The, the guy just doesn't get yeah, the free line throw rates in your love. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, I, I, he's a, he's probably pulling up for a lot of mid range um, floater. He's a great floater game. Floaters. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, assuming that he's making it, then that, that that's fine. And the the New Jersey, uh, not the New Jersey Nets. What I was saying, the Brooklyn Nets, by any means, were not some elite offensive team that that created openings for for d'angelo russell i mean he, all of his buckets well were well earned so who knows it's just a different style of uh, play you know we're we're not expecting him to be as physical but the good news is that means that he also won't be at risk for injury as much um which i think i i could appreciate especially after what happened with clay and kd last year yeah he's just not like a super athletic player you know so he just kind of plays below the rim um, he's just very like skill driven. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, you know, 43% shooting field goal, 37% from three on very good volume, like almost eight threes a game. So, um, yeah, it's good. Like he has a good shooting percentage, like, you know, for somebody that shoots that much and, you know, shoots off the dribble, shoots off the pick and roll a lot, you know? So that's very, 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 um, you know, I think you have anytime you have a guy who can shoot off the pick and roll and shoot in the high thirties, like that's good. You know, and plus he has a lot of good 
like, you know, playmaking skills like you were kind of talking about. Just, you know, I think adding versatility to the offense is, is key. Now, defensively, there's really no need to go into that because it's just like it is what it is. But, like, there's been other teams where that isn't – if you're just trying to make the playoffs, it's not like this, like, end-of-the-world scenario. Yeah, and D'Lo's on a better team now, so maybe maybe he won't have to spend as much energy playing offense and he could focus some of that on defense. Uh, I, I would like to suggest that we go out and get a good you know, defensive wing, but we're hard-capped. And, and I think it's important for listeners to know what that really means because when was the last time the Warriors were hard-capped? When was the last time this has even come up? I, I can't remember. Granted, I don't really focus on contracts. That's kind of your your thing. But. Well, that it's it's not it hasn't come back because it, well, it hasn't come up because um, we haven't really done any sign in trades, so that's why it hasn't come up. So the hard cap is there to prevent this from happening. Then every team would you know just trade and you know go over the cap and keep going over. That this is just to prevent people from saying, hey, if you're going to do a, a, a sign in trade, along with a couple other things, will trigger a hard cap. You know, so, you know, that was what happened here. When we got rid of KD, you know, in order for us to get anything back, we had to do a sign and trade with somebody, you know, so that means D-Lo, but that also meant that there's a hard cap in place. But we would much rather just have a hard cap and get somebody versus not getting anybody at all with no hard cap, right? So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes so much more sense to do that. But that means that you have only a hard uh, amount of money that you can work with and you can't go over for any reason at all so yeah and i always thought that veteran minimums didn't count against your cap but i guess even even in the hard cap situation you're so veteran minimums do count against the cap but they and they always do but they uh but yeah and they also count toward the hard cap so uh but you have you can sign as many of them as you want because it's an exception if you're over the cap you can use the minimum uh veteran players exception to sign people so gotcha. yeah, so it doesn't. There's no limit to how many of them you can sign. You can have a bunch of max players and like ten minimum guys, which is what the Lakers would have done. If they had Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> so yeah, they would have right. got like ten minimum guys because there's but, but, there's no limit to that. But you can only do that if you are not a hard cap team. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what really because the hard warriors. cap you can you can keep signing minimal guys but you know you're going to get to a point where if you if you can't ex- you can still sign as many of these guys as you want but you can't exceed the hard cap under any circumstance right. so tricky part was just shedding enough contracts to make it work um yeah. and to have enough room to sign guys like collie stein and you know resign loon and bring in guys like burks and you know robinson and stuff like that so that was the tricky part that's why it's like hey obtain what is that guy i already forgot that guy's name Shabazz Napier and gen- oh, yeah. generic NBA basketball player number two. <laughs> um, and then just wave those guys yeah, right away. Yeah. yeah, wave those guys right away. Yeah, and same reason why we had to let Quinn Cook go because Quinn Cook was, you know, would have been like like a $3 million contract yeah. or something. So they have a, con- they have a hold on, on the contracts. So you have to let them go. Um, otherwise, you can't sign anybody else. So you have to yeah. renounce their rights which means they're uh, unrestricted free agent and they're free to sign anywhere else. And you no longer have their bird rights, which means you now have to use one of the minimums or whatever to sign them. So crazy that, yeah, like Jordan Bell had to go, Quinn Cook had to go, DeMarcus for obvious reasons had to go. 
had to had to waive Sean Livingston, which you know it's, it's about time. Same as Iguodala, you know. I I don't I don't know how many more miles Iguodala has, but it I, I'd be very surprised if he averages you know 15 minutes a game on his next team, it, especially in the regular season. I can right see right, him yeah. trying to you know especially if he gets traded to a contender, then it's like yeah, there he's gonna request to be playing less than 20 minutes, you know, every game, just so he has something for the playoffs. Otherwise, it's you know, yeah, it's just 15, 18 minutes a game tops for him. We could get him back if the Memphis Grizzlies trade him somewhere that decide to waive him. And, uh, you know, like Slater and uh, I think Kawakami have talked about this. Like the best case scenario is they trade him to like a fringe contender that realizes early in the season that they're not going to make it. They're going to cut they're going to cut bait and, and start, you know, uh, getting their new guys' experience. It, the best example of that would be Dallas or Sacramento. You know, again, fringe playoff teams that think they have a good shot that could use that veteran leader. But come January, if they're sitting at you know twenty percent win percentage, then they they probably let a veteran like Andre Iguodala go. In which case, we would have a very good chance of re-signing him, since I think his family's sticking around the Bay Area. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is. Out of all this craziness, the Warriors managed to get a uh, a seventeen million dollar trade exception, which the Warriors can use uh, for next season for for the summer of free agency in twenty twenty. That the catch being there's only like a one week window of when we can actually use it, um, which you know it, before it, it expires. Before it expires, exactly. So what that means is we can take on like a you know, a $17 million contract into our, you know, into our salary because the hard cap expires before this trade exception expires, right? Correct. Yeah. That's why you, you only have that one week period, right? So you, once the hard cap expires, then that you could consider using the, um, the trade exception, but then yeah. a week following that, the trade exception expires. So you literally have a one week period where the hard cap expires between the hard cap expiring and the trade exception expiring. So yeah, and, and the way we would use it is we basically say like, "Hey, team with disgruntled seventeen million dollar player, we'll give you a, a second round pick if you give me that guy, and we'd be able to absorb his contract." Yep. More or less, right? Um, and we we don't need to get get into you know who that player could be, but one thing that we, I would like to bring up, and this again kind of talks about the outlook into into coming seasons is imagine if that player's very good or, or a, or a solid, you know, three and D wing player, you know, of the mold of, and, and I'm not saying it would be Trevor Ariza, but somebody of that caliber, somebody like that to go along with D'Lo, Steph, Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green uh, and Kevon Looney. I mean, that, that's still a very good team. That's a very, very good team that could do a lot of damage in the NBA. So, when we talk about you know the Warriors dynasty being over, I, I I think there's still so many outs, and the Warriors were so creative this past summer, despite losing Iguodala, Livingston, Demarcus Cousins, and Kevin Durant, that it, the Warriors the Warriors have set themselves up to still be relevant for a couple more years. I'm optimistic. I said this in my last episode, but I, I I'm even more optimistic than I was a month ago. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. And I think just from our 
perspective, it's fun for us to just kind of be able to talk about this kind of stuff again, because a lot of that, you know, was basically lost when we uh, keep bringing back the same team. And there's really not a lot of like additional roster moving because we're so capped out and couldn't really do anything, you know, and then, but, you know, we were winning championships, obviously, not like it's going to be some like, oh, no, we don't get to talk about this. So it's a terrible thing. But it's like, ultimately, it's a fun part of free agency and like, you know, roster build out and stuff that, you know, we didn't really get to experience as much previous yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, basically, ever since we signed uh, Kevin Duran, it's yeah, every summer has been, OK, who's going to jump on the bandwagon? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Like, who, like uh, are we going to get, you know, uh, like what, who, am I, who who are we going to get for the mid-level? Omri Caspi, Nick Young, um, you know, and what what veteran veterans going to get their buyout and you know join us? David West, Matt Barnes. How many guys so, are going to be available from Australia? Oh, that was just one. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, James. I, I think that just about covers it. Um, you and I we're going to do another episode probably later this summer or right before preseason, uh, previewing the Western Conference and some of the other teams in the NBA. But for now, it's been fun keeping the focus just to the Warriors. Last question for you. What is your prediction for the Warriors this year? Yeah, we kind of talked about it, but I, I think it's a low playoff seed. Um, you know, I don't see us any any higher than six. And I would only say six if Clay is able to come back and, you know, with 15, 20 games left, uh, maybe 15, and help us make a little push to get into a higher seed. But realistically, first round exit, or do you think we'll, we'll make it? It really it's so hard to say because you put your balls on the table, man. Yeah. Well, you don't know, you don't know who the hell you're playing with. So you're just doesn't matter. Put your balls on the table. No, dude, my balls are fine right here, dude. I don't need, they don't need to be on fucking tables, dude. They're fine. Just right here in my pants, dude. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, right. Nice, nice and moist in your, <laughs> nice and moist. Dude. <laughs> Speaking of which, gotta go probably clean that up in a bit here. But, uh, you know, it doesn't even like, because I feel like so much of it is dependent on who the matchup is, right? You know, you get yeah. a guy, you, you, if we end up seven and then, you know, because the regular season, you don't even know where the Clippers or Lakers are going to be. Load management with Kawhi, you know, okay. they're not really. They're going to be like three and four. Yeah, teams. they're not seeking the first seed. So it's like, you know, maybe it ends up being like a Denver or a Utah just because they're good in the regular season. If it's one of those teams, I like our chances team like Denver or like I I think we have a chance to beat them before we face in the first round Clippers or the Lakers probably not as much realistically speaking a lot of it still depends on you know what the matchup is but you know as of right now if I had to pick then yeah I mean I would say there is is a potential chance we can get to the second round I don't see us getting past any more than like a second round type of scenario that would be like best case scenario well after telling you to put your balls on the table I I, I think I think the Warriors make the playoffs, so they they lose first round, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it, like you it's, know, you know, it's the next year that I I would have higher expectations for us. So I say we get in six, seven seed and lose the first round, and and I'll be okay with it. I'll I'll. Uh, I think everyone has. I mean, you, you know, if you're gonna get angry, come on, dude. One of your main guys is hurt for like literally 
90 percent of the season everyone on the band everyone on the bandwagon is used to the warriors you know making the nba finals in the past five years so i don't i don't know if they know what what losing really means all right james well this has been fun uh i'll check in with you later this summer go dubs dubs uh-huh. it's a great-